Blog Talk Radio. This is the 4 FCS Fanatics Radio Show with your hosts, Adam Willie, Preston Adams, Dakota Collins, and Jeff Wigton. And now, here's the show. How's it going, everybody? It's another episode of the 4FCS Fanatics, and I'm your host, Dakota Collins. I'll be joined by Jeff Wickton uh, any moment now. Um, Adam and Preston will not be here tonight. Um, we look forward to hopefully seeing them again next week. A lot of things to get to um, in this. It's going to be a shorter episode, um, another short episode this week. Uh, you know, recap the FCS playoffs. You know, look ahead toward the uh, the semifinal matchups that we have going on. Uh, looks like we have Jeff in here. Let's try to get him in. We do. Jeff, are you there? I am. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Yes. Do you hear me? Oh, good. Okay, a little different for me. I'm actually uh, on my way home from uh, dropping off the family at the other car, so. Yeah, they, they for some reason they didn't want to stick around and talk football tonight. I just don't get it. <laughs> um, well, they're lost, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. So yeah, uh, how, exciting news. How are you, how are you uh, doing? I'm good. Uh, yes, my my 13 year old just turned 14, so we're all good tonight. Oh, happy so, birthday yeah, to him! Just on our way home from dinner. Yep, he's he's not going to hear that until later, but that's okay. Because <laughs> again, he, he he decided to to stick with mom. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, dad's going to talk football, and I can't can't add my two cons, my two my two cents. Okay, I, I'm going with mom. <laughs> <laughs> so let's I guess uh, yeah. look forward to these uh, semifinal matchups on Friday night. We'll get North Dakota State taking on South Dakota State uh, on Saturday, Maine taking on Eastern Washington. Which one of these games uh, intrigues you the most? Uh, definitely Maine visiting Cheney. Uh, you know, uh, well, and, and again, let's just, let's just, and I, I don't know what you were able to say before I, I was. Let's just hand it to the Black Bears. I understand that they're the colonial champions. We shouldn't be you know, downplaying that accomplishment by any stretch of the imagination, but they have just played this underdog card so well. And I, I honestly thought that Weber state might actually, you know, we might see them, you know, play in Frisco. Well, I guess I was wrong on that. So mm-hmm. yeah. Congratulations to the black bears. You know, I'm, I'm, I was glad to see that they, uh, that they pulled that game out against Weber state. So that was wonderful. And, and again, you got Eastern Washington. They they got a great defense as we've seen all year. Um, that offense hasn't hasn't missed a beat despite the changing quarterback. You know, I I just look forward to that, and I just look forward to to a, hopefully a main team that is uh, traveling tonight to Eastern Washington. You know, and and getting ready for that game. So that that ought to be a a great contest on on. That's a Saturday contest. Am I correct? It is, yes. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to that. I mean, I'm looking forward. Don't, don't get me wrong. You've got two Missouri Valley teams uh, facing up, you know, in Fargo uh, for, again, D- Dakota Marker 2. Um, you know, the Bunnies were the ones that, that last beat um, South or North Dakota State in the Fargo Dome, and I think that's the last team that that uh, North Dakota State might have lost to, if I remember right. But that was regular season, and I think that that was in, uh, that was in Brookings. So I, I think that we've got, you know, if, if, if the Jackrabbits can pull one out of the hat, this is the week to do it. I, you know, you, uh, you yeah. look at this weekend's games, though, and you look at this weekend's games, though, and I, I just kind of wonder if, I mean, there, we had three great close games, and then we had the blowout. And against what I, you're you're more the numbers guy than anybody, but um, against what I thought was probably one of the best defenses in FCS football, 
washed them on offense, and then they just took that defense and just carved it up. So, right. yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I think, I, I, you know, I, I think it, it, we're, we're planning on, on seeing, you know, some green and gold down in, uh, in Frisco. But, boy, I, I just don't know what to think about this game coming from uh, – from, from Washington. I, I'm looking forward to seeing how that game plays out on Saturday. Yeah, these are, these are easily the uh, it's probably the, one, the two best games we've had off season, rightfully so, with it being the semifinals. And you look at, you know, you talk about main defense, and that's what's really impressed me with their playoff run so far. Really just, you know, starting off, even at home against Jacksonville, you know, they were the sexy pick to be upset, you know, even at home, and they, mm-hmm. from the get-go, they made a statement, and even though they gave up some yardage, they were not allowing any points, um, and they forced the quarterback from Jacksonville State, Sarah Cooper, to only complete 19 of his, you know, 44 attempted passes, and then last week against Weber State, uh, Maine, but I got, I, I watched the first bit of that game, um, and yeah, neither offense could really do anything. Then, so going from Maine to Utah in cross country, taking on a Weber State team who has a pretty decent offense and really nasty defense. The defense from Maine really only allowed you know, only allowed 271 yards and 18 points. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. What they did against another, which like he said, another high-powered offense in Eastern Washington. You know, they made the switch. They had to make the switch early in the season to Eric um, Barrier, but you know they really haven't missed a beat that much. And that was a good game last week as well. Eastern Washington, UC Davis. You know they also had a rematch, and it's it's very tough to beat the same opponent twice in any season. So you know, kudos to Eastern Washington. For being able to pull it out because mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, well, you see Davis scored a touchdown with like a minute and something left to take the lead, and then Eastern Washington scored I again. You're right. Yes. Yeah, and then and then Eastern Washington just brought it back down the field, um, you yeah. know, to, to to wrestle that that win away from them. So, I mean, it was a that was just a hard fought game all the way, and again, I, I, I'm, of course, I'm I'm right now not able to look at my stats, but if I remember right, that, that that game was always in flux. You know, it doesn't look like anybody was able to really gain a momentum in that game. You know, it's not like we had a you know a whole bunch of unanswered points here. That was always a close game right up to the end. Right. Yeah. So, and and, and, and Dakota, feel free. Again, I'm, I am right now not in front of my computer like I normally am, so feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. But. <laughs> You know, no, I thought that that, you know, that game was nip and tuck all the way. So it was, you know, it, it was a good game. You know, the Aggies did, the Aggies had a wonderful season this year, and, and I don't think that that was really expected. But, uh, you know, the, the, the quarterfinal game between those two, you're right. It was, uh, it was a well-fought game on both sides of the ball for both teams. Yeah, Davis. They were they were projected. I remember seeing earlier they're projected ninth in the Big Sky, and I don't even think they've ever made the playoffs. So I think this is the first trip to the playoffs. And you, you are you're right about that game because you know going to the fourth quarter it was it was twenty one fourteen UC Davis, and the teams combined for twenty eight in the fourth quarter alone. So that's when the the scoring yeah. really happened was the last quarter. Um, and then you have South Dakota State, you know, set up the Dakota marker part two of the of the season. South Dakota State, who's, who's never won a you know playoff game on the road, had to go down to Kennesaw and knock off the Owls. Um, unfortunately for Kennesaw, you know, their, their star quarterback Chandler Burks, he got hurt pretty early in the game, uh, but the backup did pretty well. Um, Kennesaw did trail by 17 at one point, got it down to three, and the Jackrabbits were able to score for the 27-17 win. Um, I'm expecting the Jackrabbits to really give the Bison a fight Friday night. Um, I know it's kind of expected with one in semifinals to being a rivalry. I mean, even when these 
when these two teams played early in the season. Uh, South Dakota State was right there, and that game's in Fargo as well, if I'm not mistaken. It was. It was in Fargo. And, in fact, if I remember right, some people, uh, and, again, I don't remember uh, specifically who, but some people were saying that that was a game that the, that the Jackrabbits should have won. So, you know, it'll be fun to see them come back. And, again, you know that that's even, – even if there wasn't this much on the line, you know that there's going to be between South Dakota State and North Dakota State, that is going to be a battle royale nonetheless. Right. So, yeah. You talk about South Dakota State being the team to beat North Dakota State team, you know, last. Uh, yeah, that's how, it, how it's been in this dynasty. It seems like South Dakota State's the one team that really always plays North Dakota State well enough to actually be there at the end to have a chance. Because looking back at this season, uh, yeah, it was 17-14 Jackrabbits going to the fourth quarter before – North Dakota State rallied and won by four. Right. Yeah. So I mean, it's, that game. But and if I remember right, last year to the semifinal game, that was a close game as well. It wasn't North Dakota State running away with it. I, if I remember right, that was a you know a hard fought battle, you know, right up to the end. I might be wrong. I mean, I, I again, it's. But but if I remember right, that was not a runaway game either. You know, you put these two two together and they, and they they know each other. You know, familiarity. You know, is you know they don't really need scouts. They they know each other too well. You know, right. So they know what to throw at each other. You know, it's just Bison have had a little bit more of a, of an advantage lately. So. It'll be interesting to see what happens on on Friday night there. And of course, I'm just hoping that injury. I'm hoping that the Fargo Dome, I'm hoping that the Fargo Dome is just absolutely rocking for tomorrow night's game because, you know, there's there's been some some people, and of course, you've probably read those posts too about you know that they didn't have sellouts for those games. Oh come on, you know. Right. Uh, they had 13,000 for a game where I, don't, I believe that they weren't even in session. Uh, hello? Right. 13,000 is a pretty darn good crowd for a game where, where you don't have the student base there. So it, it, I, I expect tomorrow night that, that the Fargo Dome should be rocking. Yeah, I don't expect attendance to be an issue tomorrow. I think that it is tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. I, I expect it you know be sold out. Crowd's going to be into it, and that, it does help that it is South Coast State. And no offense, no Colgate, whatever, but <laughs> probably easier for the yeah. fan base of North Coast State to get up for South Coast State than Colgate from the Patriot League. And sure. then, of course, well, you have it's going to be uh, Coach Byman's last game, so yeah. I, I would hope that they would come out and support him. You know, just just on the, on that, the fact that it's a semifinal, and again. It's their hated rival coming up for for a chance for the playoffs, so or to the to the championship. Yeah. So yeah, I I fully expect there's there's going to be some some you know lot lot of right there's going to be some times where they're going to have to be just you know going on the you know snap count or whatever you know when they're when they're standing behind the ball because they're not going to hear anything. All right. Um, either there is more on the line uh, this week. That is the advantage, if there is one, going to Fargo. That's how good they have. They've already played. I mean, they're used to playing that atmosphere, and they've already done it once this season. But it was like week three or four. So I expect the atmosphere to probably be almost double what it was back then. But still, always nice to – you've already played there this season. You led in going to the fourth quarter. So I don't. South Coast State's one of the few teams that when they go to Fargo. I think they already don't have the mindset. You know, we've already probably lost. There you go. With the mindset yeah. with hey, we can contend with this team and we can beat this team. Yeah, you know they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be afraid. This is a team that's obviously got plenty of talent. You know, sometimes they've played down to their competition this year again, uh, yeah. but. 
this is still a team that's got plenty of talent can easily, you know, upset the Bison up in uh, Fargo. But, boy, then you look at what they did to Colgate, you're just kind of going, can they can they do it again? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. You know, we talked about North Dakota State losing their coach, Chris Kleiman. He's going to Kansas State whenever the Bison season ends. But, you know, regardless of a win or not, this would be his last game in the Fargo Dome. Um, 67-6 and six at North Dakota State, uh, three national championships, I think it is. He's going straight to the Big 12, a uh, six-year deal worth $16.8 million. That's all something. I don't know how realistic it is, but it's probably pretty. But it said he would have to coach at North Dakota State for thirty five more seasons to make what he's gonna to make what he signed to make at Kansas State. <laughs> That's incredible. You know, just to think about that. But whatever the case may be, you know, he's had a, a very successful run. He's 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 obviously gonna reap reap the rewards for that. And and hopefully for Kansas State that he can make that program a respectable program as well. Right. You know, he wasn't there for all the bison championships. He's I mean he's he's kind of inherited this, you know, but you know, I think that he's he's probably recruited enough folks. I mean he's he's won a couple championships now on his own. So mm-hmm. now you know, I think he'll I think he'll do just fine. And, and and you know, his replacement is is gonna be doing just fine too. I mean, he's been part of the system now for a few years, and he also comes from two uh, strong, uh, two two strong programs. He's been in the valley for a number of years. He's, he was a Panther coach and then also a Leatherneck coach. So I think that I think we're, you know, they're not going to miss a beat by coaching by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, it kind of. Uh, a defensive coordinator sometimes uh, makes me a little bit more concerned because you know he knows how to play the defensive side of the ball. So, right, yeah, no, yeah, no surprise. You know, North Coast State doing what they usually do. You know, when they have to hire a new coach, they one hire with with hire from within. Two, they hire on the defensive side of the ball. Like you said, he's been in the valley. Uh, he started Northern Iowa back in 2010. He was their D line coach was there for a couple seasons, made his way to Western Illinois to be their associate head coach and co-defensive coordinator, and that lasted for a season. And then he's been at North Dakota State ever since for the last five seasons. Uh, 21-year experience in the coaching field, so his first head coaching job. Um, I expect just to pick up where they left off, basically, because, like you said, he's been around the program, um, defense-minded coach. And it's what um, yeah. North Dakota State usually goes for. And then another little thing about the contract of climbing is it is there's a lot of bonuses in there for him. Two point three million dollars salary, but he gets fifty thousand dollars if he leads Kansas State to a third place finish in the Big Twelve, seventy five thousand for second place, and a hundred thousand for winning the conference. Uh, fifty thousand extra dollars for a six win season. $100,000 playing in a playoff-affiliated bowl game. Um, 175 oh, for wow. playoff berth. 350000 if he wins the national championship. 25000 for being conference coach of the year and fifty if he's named national. 25000 if he finishes in the top 25. 50000 if it's the top 10. Um, I I feel like he can really have success at Kansas State because I, you see a lot of similarities between Kansas State and North Dakota State, not really on the product of the field, but in the cities. You know, Fargo, North Dakota, and then Manhattan, Kansas. Because, you know, they were talking on, you know, a few days ago, like how hard it is to get recruits to even take a visit to Kansas State just because of where it is. And you have a guy that succeeded in Fargo, North Dakota, <laughs> I yeah. have no doubt that no, he can exactly. see in Manhattan, Kansas. Like he don't have to get the you know the four or five star prospect. He can just get you know the three star prospects and just get them in the program 
and get them to buy in. Big 12, you know, it's just, it's just a conference that is dominated by Oklahoma. They don't really have – I mean, Texas is kind of there. But they really lack a you know, second and third option. So, and, you know, the coach that he succeeded in, Bill Snyder, proved that you can win at Kansas State. And um, I, I saw a video floating around yesterday of him addressing – him as in climbing, addressing Kansas State players. And, yeah, he was talking about, you know, What's going to make the program successful is character, you know, buying in for your teammate, and just you know, willing to win win the day. Um, yeah. And I think if the, I think if this players buy in, I, I see Kansas State winning. You know, like, like one of the bonuses was just to win six games. Like I could see them winning, being an eight, ten win consistent program with climbing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, okay, you've got you've got the sexy picks there of Oklahoma and Texas, but man, if you could go and play for somebody who's been a known winner, hmm, maybe you do consider that trip to Manhattan for a recruiting, you know, visit. You know, they, mm-hmm. they that's a that's a conference that it, it still surprises me. Uh, I guess in the Big Ten or the Big Twelve, excuse me. Um, it still surprises me that the, that the two main powerhouses are Oklahoma and Texas. And, you know, mm-hmm. Texas hasn't been that strong lately. Right. You know, Texas, Texas, um, TCU was, was pretty good, you know, a few years ago. And Texas Tech has shown some, some signs of improvement. But, you know, you just don't have those anybody that really challenges Texas and Oklahoma. So it'll be fun to see if you know, he can bring his ways from Fargo and, and make them apply to FBS football. So, and, and you know, it, it's also kind of fun to think, okay, well, you know, a playoff bowl, well, they're they're starting to finally see the light, go, hold it, you know what, maybe it's it's an appropriate time to start talking about an 8-18 eight, eight, an playoff. Yes, it is, it's been past time to oh. talk about an 18 playoff in, in FBS football. You know, they they could easily make that happen with those fan bases. So I don't understand why they're still dragging their feet in this fourteen format. Hello, look at what we can do in a twenty four game format or twenty fourteen right. format. Mhm. You know, we make this the most exciting part of the year. Thank you. So, yeah, no, I, I, I it'll be fun to see him get into a playoff bowl. Um, it'll be fun to see him and succeed outside of the outside of the Fargo Dome, but you know, hats off to him. He, he's he's done a great job, and and again, his handoff is going to be, I think, an exciting one for uh, for North Dakota State fans. Not, not as exciting as for the rest of us in the Valley. I'm just saying. So. Yeah, he's following a legend in Bill Snyder, like he had to follow Craig Bull at North Dakota State. So, um, mm-hmm. I don't see Kansas State having much of a draw. They were pretty disappointing this season. Um, give Just it a couple, of two or three seasons. I'm sorry. Just this season. Oh. <laughs> you said they were disappointing huh? this season. Just. Uh, well, more. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they're generally, you know, yeah. I, I love it. You know, I because I I have to follow all the all the FBS and all the FCS conferences for the for the pool that I run. Yeah. And and they were they were picked third or fourth. And I'm just still wondering why they pick them third or fourth. You know. <laughs> They're not going to get there, you know it. But I think a six-win season, oh, yeah. I think that's his first goal, and I, I think that that's a very achievable goal. You know, let's see what type of recruits he can bring in even this year. That might even be something that they can do next year. Correct. So, yeah. Yeah. Let's see. There's another big game this weekend. Um, yes. The Celebration happening. Bowl. Yeah. The MEAC champion. I think that's going to be an game as well. Um, I'm yep, excited for it. Well, you follow these conferences a lot closer than I do, but 
man, I think Alcorn State could could really have a, you know, I know everybody. This is a, a favorite, you know. Um, North Carolina A&T is is, is 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 a favorite in this game. I just I I see Alcorn State going well. Okay, so what do we have to prove? Let's go. You know, and, and mm-hmm. coming in and, and giving them a rude surprise. That, that, that's yeah. that's the way. This is this is another game where you know defenses are going to play a, a strong factor. Yep. Yeah, these two teams have really good defenses. Um, North Carolina A and T, they've only allowed 15 touchdowns this season. Um, they allow 254 yards. Alcorn allows 288. Um, and then, like, rush, rushing defense, both these teams allow less than 100. Um, Alcorn at 95 and then A&T at 72. Um, but then the offense, it's going to be interesting because Alcorn, they are a running football team. They average just under 300 yards a game just on the ground at 282. Um, North Carolina A&T is going to have their, they're going to have their offense show the offense that we've I feel like we've really yet to see this season. Um because there's a lot of hype. Um you know they have if I can remember his name, their quarterback, Lamar Renard. You know, a lot of a lot of expectations for the Aggies. Uh they still finish nine and two, obviously in the celebration bowl. You know, there's a lot of talk of them going to the playoffs potentially. You know, because you know they're in second place in the MEAC for the longest. Uh, but Alcorn's been playing really well as, as of late. Um, they did win the SWAC championship over Southern. I just feel like if North Carolina A&T really wants to, you know, win like they should in most people's eyes, you know, the offense really has to step up and really play their best game of the season. Well, and nothing against it because I'm not going to downplay the competition in the SWAC, but it seems like to me, at least, you know, the slack just wasn't as, as as exciting as it has been in past years. Um, right. So I'm not going to say Alcorn State just, you know, they, they walked away with this because they didn't. But Alcorn State, I think, to me, is, you know, to be, a, to be the Celebration Bowl championship, they've got a lot to prove here, you know. North Carolina A&T, you know, of course, took – that first game of the season against Jacksonville State, you know they were they were ranked, you know, even up till about mid, midway through the season, you know. Right. So I, or maybe even a little bit later. So I would hope that, by the way, if I drop out, that um, you know Alcorn State can rise and show us, you know, exactly what they're doing this this time. And I, I, I they're going to give. Uh, I'm just gonna call me a T. Uh, so they're gonna give the Aggies, you know, quite the quite the run for their. Again, they've got. No, I'm not gonna say they don't have any expectations. No, they are the champions, but I, they just aren't. They're not favored to win this. They don't have the history in the Celebration Bowl that A and T does. So I, I really think, you know, that they're coming out here and. You know they they they've got nothing to prove. Why not just go ahead and put something you know put some stuff on the board? Right. So, yeah, and I like you said, the swag. But yeah, the swag. It was it was pretty down this uh, season, especially Grambling State. You know, they is past like five seasons of the swag. It's been Grambling versus Alcorn championship game. Grambling this season, you know, they were barely over 500. They finished third in the, the SWAC West. Um, ended up being Southern to prevail. And Prairie View, they finished under 500 and was over Grambling in the SWAC West. Um, so the SWAC as a whole was pretty down. Alcorn is the only team that did win over seven games this season. Um, but like I said, North Carolina A&T, you know, with all the expectations they had this year, they haven't really looked impressive. Um, they had a couple of sloppy games. Uh, they did they did look good against Jacksonville State um, to begin the season, but especially the defense. And no, there's no doubt 
that you know these are two you know just elite defenses facing off in Atlanta. Um, so what I'm going to be really looking forward to is you know the rushing offense of Alcorn and the rushing defense of North Carolina and um, Whoever can control the, the time of possession and not turn the ball over their defense a short field is probably going to be the team that comes out of in front because if whoever has the you know the ball more is just going to wear out the other team's defense. And then if you're not putting your defense in bad situations, then you have you give your your own defense the freedom to try and take a few risks to set up your offense. So I feel like that's going to be the two keys: is who whose offense can control the ball and not turn it over, and but most importantly, it's who can score. So you know, that's just simplify it. Who can score? You may get in the red zone, but are you going to score a touchdown or are you going to sell for a field goal? And I think that's what the game's going to come down to. Is offense that can execute more. Touchdown, because, you know, and, and that kind of goes without saying, because, of course, right. touchdowns are worth seven and, or <laughs> six. And, uh, you know, if, if you're going to be a high-powered team like, like at you're going to go ahead and you're going to you're going to make that game happen. So, just like an interesting thing, and yeah, you know, really just make it this what you want. Last time North Carolina A and T has played a football game was on November seventeenth. They haven't played in just under a month. Alcorn played December the 1st in the SWAC championship. All right, one more time. I know you said just a second that Alcorn played on December 1st, and when did A&T play last? North Carolina A&T hasn't played since November the 17th. Well, they're definitely rested, but are now are they a little yeah. rusty for this game then? That's going to be my worry is – you know, I can I can get have like a bye week, you know, to rest up and practice, but that's twenty nine days since they've played a football game by the time Saturday rolls around. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean they'd better be practicing pretty darn hard. You know. Yeah. So that way they can make that make sure that they don't come out and show some of that rust. Because, you know, you look at players and I mean, there's difference between practice and there's and and actual gameplay. So you kind of look at that and you just kind of go, hmm, are they gonna are they gonna be game ready? That's a good. That's a very good point. Let's see. Spread kind of surprises me. The North Carolina A&T, they're a seven and a half favorite, seven and a half point favorite. I'm surprised it's that high. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to come down to a turnover or a mistake. Yeah, I, I don't know. see this being more than a one-possession game either way. No. No, I think – well, again, it's going to be as uh, – I honestly think, you know, it's going to be as as as, as the offense's role. You know, if the offenses yeah. start 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 firing up, well then yeah, this that you know that could I could see it being more than than seven points, but I don't think that the offenses are going to get a chance. I think that they're going to that they're going to get in there and it, they're going to be slogging it out, especially in that you know in the first half as they're feeling each other's uh, offenses and defenses out. Yep. Yeah. Especially with Alcorn State having the advantage on offense, uh, you know, just comparing the quarterbacks, you know, for North Carolina A&T, Lamar, Lamar Renard, he's only completing 54% of his passes. And he has 1,300 yards, 16 touchdowns, five interceptions. And for Alcorn State, Noah Johnson, he's completing 64% of his passes for over 2,000 yards and 15 touchdowns, but eight interceptions. 
Um, North Carolina A&T on the ground averages 180. You know, that's 100 less than what Alcorn averages. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see who wins the really the the battle of the front sevens. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think again, though, I'll I'll just say this: it's going to be it's still going to come down to like a defensive t- turnover or yeah something you know something that's just going to be unexpected there that's like an interception or a fumble that's going to make this game, you know, the difference in, in this game at least. So, There we go. That covers the game. No, I, and I and, and don't get me wrong, Josh. I set up all those those things earlier. Where is this game at? Atlanta. That's right, in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I can't wait to see the attendance for that game. <laughs> you know what? I, and especially in this game. You know what I would hope is that we get to see, like, the band. Oh, yeah. You know, that'll yeah, be a good... Definitely agree. Mm-hmm. That'll be a good band matchup right there. Yeah, just just the, the battle of the bands at halftime would be enough to cover admission. <laughs> Football game's just bonus. Yeah. I tend to agree with you, but then again, going to Atlanta can, well, you, you live a lot closer to Atlanta than I do, but, you know, just getting to go down to Atlanta would be a, a fun thing for us, you know, especially for those of us in the North. Yeah, that was the good thing about living in, uh, living in Jacksonville was less than two hours from Atlanta. I had a professor that drove every morning from Atlanta. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. No, no, I, I think I'd have to get a little closer. <laughs> Heck, I did the two-hour commute from, from where I live into Chicago every day for six months. That was enough. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So how 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 much is the world going to fall apart if in Frisco we have South Dakota State versus Maine? <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, the, you know the theme parks that are uh, that are on some of the blog posts would just absolutely have a fit. So, <laughs> but you know, and, and and somebody else pointed this out uh, of the years that they um, of the years that they have done, um, you know that that the. Bison have gone on to win the championship. They've never had an undefeated season to this point. Right. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens here, you know, when they go to, you know, well, first of all, when they play on on Friday night, but also, you know, when they play, when they play whoever they, and who do you think? Who do you think that the Bison would is going to be the Bison's uh, potential matchup down in uh, down in Frisco? I don't know if my bracket still has any hope, but for the sake of my bracket, I need North Dakota State and Eastern Washington, <laughs> which I got. No, I only got two. I said I got three of the four. So no, I only got two of the four. I had, I had Kennesaw beating South Dakota State. Well, you did pretty darn good then. <laughs> but who who thought that there, that that all eight eight seeded teams were going to make it? You know, into through their first game. Right, I don't think this ever happened. Has it? I think that's the first no. time. No, this was what I, from what I had read. 
you know, this was their first time doing it. Um, let's see. I covered all the games. Um, well, you haven't really Yeah. <laughs> Used to having a lot more. Yeah. 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 Let's see. And now I will. Okay, this I just looked on our on our radio show group on Facebook, and I another thing. Austin, you talk about head coaches. Austin P. They went out. They they made a pretty impressive hire. They went out and got Mark Hudspeth um, as their new football coach. And you know, this past season he was at Mississippi State. He was uh, I think the O line coach. That, for the Ohio Valley, that that is going to be a, a good, um, you know, a good pickup. But you know, that's not the only pickup in the valley. You know, we we've also had, uh, you know, over at Eastern Illinois that they just mm-hmm. had, you know, a nice pickup as well. Yeah, they got Adam Cushion, who spent a lot of his career at Northwestern. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That, and being Adam Cushion I mean, was the <laughs> yeah, being from up here, we're, we're a little familiar with Adam. I mean, you know, uh, uh, Barrett, so, uh, Pat Fitzgerald, excuse me, where Tom Barrett was coming from, I don't know. But Pat Fitzgerald, I mean, he's he, he, he's the one that takes most of the spotlight. But, you know, Adam yeah. Christian, you know, we've, we've known at least who he is the last few years. So, you know, for him to be moved from, from up here at a, at a at a great program in at Northwestern, and then to move down to um, you know down down I fifty seven down to Charleston, you know that's mm-hmm. going to be a fun a, a, a good thing for him. And Eastern's kind of fallen off the off of the last few years, but um, you know Cushing is is going to have uh, going to have a good time with uh, you know having his first head coaching job down there. So. Yeah, Eastern's not a bad program. They have some tradition. You know, they have Tony Romo come through there. They have, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, more recent. Um, but, yeah, ever since mm-hmm. they lost Garoppolo, they really fell off. So I'm hoping these two hires right here really give Jacksonville State some more competition in the Ohio Valley. Um, Adam Cushing was the O-line coach. Hudspeth, is, he was the tight ends coach and associate head coach at Mississippi State. Um Okay. 16 years of head coaching experience at the FBS Division II and high school level. He's never coached in the FCS or head coach. He's been a lot of his career as a head coach at um, Louisiana Lafayette in the Sun Belt. Okay. He was, I think, his only FCS. No, he, that's for He was in Division II. He was North Alabama's head coach. Um For a good yeah. while. Yeah, he started out at Nichols and coached in high school. But I didn't really. There it is. There's the UNA stuff. He went 66 and 21 in seven seasons at North Alabama, won two conference titles, competed in the Division II championship five times. Never made it past. He's got quite. Promise, a, he's got quite the pedigree in itself, though. Yeah, he when he yeah. coached, he coached his alma mater at the high school level, and they had won one game uh, in the last two seasons. He got there and went twenty-five and one, and then won the state title. <laughs> so good hire for the governors, and yeah, good hire for Eastern Illinois as well. You know, Northwestern really consistent program. Were they there? Were they in Evanston? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, just north of Chicago here. So, yeah, you know, they're the ones. Of course, we're you know, when you're talking Big Ten football around here, you're usually wearing your, uh, your, you know, your silver and purple and black. So it'll be a 
it'll be a, a, a good departure from them, but, you know, at the same point, they now Fitzgerald's got a big hole to fill up here. Yeah. You know, because he's been with him for a number of years. I'm I'm thinking like 15 years or so. I mean, that he's been up here at Northwestern. So, yeah, that's going to definitely be a wonderful, uh, you know, addition to the Panther program. You know, and, I, and of course, as being being from Illinois, you know, and, and of course, you're you you follow the OC, the OVC this year. You know, that's as you said. You know, we saw Southeast Missouri rise this year. And, you know, make it a two bid two bid conference. Well, maybe with Austin Pay and or Austin P and um, and and Eastern, you know, getting two quality football coaches. Jacksonville State's going to have more competition, but maybe it's going to possibly even later on bring a third bid to the to the OBC. Yeah, that's really what the OBC needs um, because they have been one of the bottom conferences for a while. Um, because that's given that's one of the reasons given for Jacksonville State's playoff struggles is that they come from such a weak conference that when they face you know, a team from the Power Threes. They really struggle. So more competition in the conference hopefully prepares teams from the Ohio Valley better for the playoffs. But it, would just, it would just be nice to see, to see the program really step out of the hole because the OVC is not a football conference. It's more of a basketball conference. We have with Murray State and Belmont. But um, yeah. yeah, it would be nice to see them, I don't think they'd ever make it to the top three, but, you know, top five would be nice. <laughs> no, I don't think that they'll be to the – well, are you talking top I mean, three nationwide or just in the OVC? Uh, uh, top three conference nationwide. Oh, yeah, no, they're not going to be a big three conferences. <laughs> I'm I'm sitting yeah. there thinking that you're talking – yeah, no. No, no. But, you know, it, it would be nice to, you know, they, they could definitely, both teams could uh, could make a challenge, you know, and, and make that just a better conference. And, and it could be, it could be just another fun conference to watch. Don't get me wrong, but it could be a, it could be a fun conference as they, as they rise up in power as well. Yeah. Um, you know, Austin P had that really good season, you know, a year ago. This year is kind of more disappointment. You know, they had more expectations. Um, and then, like, you know, we already talked about Eastern Illinois' tradition. You know, they've generally been a top team in the Ohio Valley just in years past, or just here recently. They've really fallen off. So, but it, you can get these programs to the top of the conference, and I have, you know, no doubt that these two guys can because, you know, where they come from. You've already mentioned it well, many. Yeah, but you know, even before you were around, uh, I, I I remember that there was a you know, they were a cross state rival for us in the Missouri Valley at that point, the Gateway. Uh, uh-huh. You know, in fact, I think their last year in the in the Gateway, they won it. You know, and that was against Northern Iowa. You know, Missouri State. You know. At that point, I think it was Southwest Missouri State. You know, so we had some some really good teams at that point, and Eastern Eastern beat them all, and then left the conference and went to the Ohio Valley. So yeah, they very strong tradition there in Charleston, and it'll be fun to see what they can bring up. You know, to uh, challenge the Gamecocks. Kitties won't be fearing the peak as much. Just saying. I was surprised, though, that to see Austin Peay's head coach get an FBS job, especially after the season they had. I mean, they did have, like I said, that great turnaround season a year ago. But then after this season, they just really just falling flat in the conference. He got hired away by Charlotte. I guess Charlotte did have to scramble around, though, after Mike Houston decided to flirt with Eastern Carolina and eventually get that job. But. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, even even as, you know, spring recruiting goes through, you know, just how some of these programs are going to evolve, you know. We're going to see have some signings coming up, of course, in the off season. So it'll be interesting to see how some of these are picked and, and, and how their spring practices go and, you know, I think that I think that when you get when you start talking about, I mean, Eastern only won three games this year. You know, I don't remember what Austin P did, but you know, Eastern only won three games. You know, there's going to be a renewed interest maybe in football, you know, in Charleston as well. Yeah, that'd be great to get the the fans back involved. Um, give them product on the field that they can actually, you know, come to the games and really be proud of for EIU mm-hmm. yet again. But you know, even even as a as a Missouri Valley person, I mean, we we've seen them in Macomb. We've seen we've we've gone over to Charleston. We've played them as, over there as well. And every year they're still playing Illinois State. So, you know, just the in, for me the in-state interest of them getting one of Pat Fitzgerald's uh, assistant coaches, you know, that, that raised my eyebrow right there. So even, even, even on a, even on a peripheral, you know, I've even got my interest going, Holy, holy, what's, what's going on over there? Uh Yeah. That shows, you know, with both these hires with Austin P and both, and what he, Eastern Illinois did was, you know, they are serious about getting football to another level. Because you go out mm-hmm. and you get a guy that spent 14 seasons at Northwestern, and you go out and get a guy that was the associate head coach at an SEC school in Mississippi State. Like, those are big-time programs in their respective conferences. And you went out and – and this shows you um, – even though the FCS doesn't really get the attention that it deserves, just the the view of what these jobs have is that they were able to go get these long-time FBS assistants mm-hmm. to leave and come to Charleston and Clarksville. And, yeah, I've, I've looked up Eastern Illinois' schedule just for the fun of it. Yeah, they do play Illinois State and Indiana State like they do. And then they also travel to Indiana and Chattanooga. So, the first-year head coach is going to have a hard time in his first season with that schedule, but... Yeah. Yeah, especially those two Valley games. You know, as we as we look forward to seeing what Indiana State brings back next year, and, of course, right. Illinois State, a perennial perennial force in the Valley... So just those two t- two games alone, Chattanooga had a great start to their season, you know. And then what was the other team that they were visiting next year out of conference? Indiana. Oh, geez. <laughs> well, there's they're, they're some of their recruiting budget for next year. So. Yeah. <laughs> Not to take it completely off course, I thought that, that the Big Ten had told us that we weren't going to you know, see FCS teams in, the, in there anymore because of strength of schedule. I guess that that's kind of gone by I the wayside. Yeah, once you said that, yeah, I thought there were, you know, there's, there were a couple conferences that said that. Yeah, oh, well. Well, I mean, I guess, I mean, Indiana, did they really have to worry about their strength of schedule? Let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Good point, but the teams that beat up on Indiana would like to know their strength of schedule is all good. <laughs> uh, let's see. I only set this for an hour because, you know, since I have to go to work in a few minutes, yep. then I don't know if you want to do it by yourself. <laughs> no, nah, I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we got uh, five right at five minutes remaining. Anything else you want to get to real quick? No. Now, who do you think is going to win, and who do you think we're going to see down in uh, Frisco, you know, in January? Let's see. I, I'll i start with Eastern Washington and Maine. Um, 
I love what Maine's doing. I love the underdog. I love the Cinderella story. Um, if they play like they had last two weeks, then yeah, they very they very much have a chance to knock off Eastern Washington because they do. Eastern Washington does have a high powered offense, but we've seen some weeks they've had trouble scoring, uh, especially against really good defenses. Um, but I feel like even if Maine's defense shows up, Eastern Washington's defense is also very good at preventing teams to score. They give up yardage. They don't give a lot of points. So I, I think Eastern Washington wins at home. I think it's going to be another – I think it's going to be kind of like how Eastern Washington and UC Davis was last week. You know, just like – you know, just, just four touchdowns combined maybe in the first three quarters and then when the Eastern Washington gets a couple scores in the fourth quarter and win – you know, like 31-14 or 31-17, something like that. So, I think Eastern Washington, um, it's hard to bet against North Dakota State in the playoffs. So, it wouldn't surprise me to see them winning. I would, I would rather have South Dakota State. But I think North Dakota State, I think North Dakota State gets it done in Fargo at home, with, you know, climbing's last home game. I think they have, they're going to be extra motivated for that reason. I think we're going to have North Dakota State versus Eastern Washington in Frisco. I tend to think that you're uh, that you're right, um, especially with the North Dakota State. I just don't see South Dakota State. Again, it's a rivalry game. Anything could happen. I just don't see it happening here. Not in Frisco. Mm-hmm. You know, not not with a trip to Frisco on the line for the Bison. Um, so I just don't know what. To, I, I think it'll be about a ten point game. I'll give it ten points. So I think, I think, uh, I think the Bison still roll. You know that they're going to roll down there just easy. Um, as far as the game in Cheney, though, I'll tell you what. I think it is going to be Eastern Washington. I, I, their defense, their offense. I mean, I know Maine's got great job on both of those. You know, both sides of the ball to, to the Black Bears as well, but. I think that, that the Eagles are going to, you know, hold the inferno, and I think that it's going to probably be – but I still think it's going to be a much closer game. I think it's going to be just a touchdown. And I'll, I'll say it's 35 to 28. Well, there you go. Yeah, there's something about the playoffs. You know, North Dakota State, you know, they're already – Virtually unstoppable in the regular season, but once it comes to playoff times, they 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 turn it to another level. Um, they do. The Jackrabbits are going to come they, in and play a, a flawless game. Yeah, but the thing about it is that these these two teams are are playoff you know tested. They're not going to lose yeah. games on their home their home turf. So I I, I think I think we're, the home teams are going to. Hold serve, and I think we're going to see North Dakota State and Eastern Washington down in down in Frisco in January. Yeah, I, I would think be that surprised. Was a game in itself. Oh yeah, um, I would. I'd be surprised if any of these games are a blowout. I expect both these games to be within one possession the majority of the game. And yeah, if we do oh, get yeah. North Dakota State. Really, any of these four teams, any matchups going to be interesting. North Dakota State versus Eastern Washington. That would probably be mm-hmm. the matchup that's going to get the most most viewers and just really the most attention. Probably the best game that you can have. Oh yeah, yeah, most definitely. I think I think especially. Uh, I mean, not that the Jackrabbits if they don't uh, if they don't uh, if they upset. The Bison, and of course, we don't play these games on paper. But if they upset the Bison, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of interest in South Dakota State, you know, in Frisco. But yeah. uh, you know, I just don't see it being being Jackrabbits versus Black Bears. I think it's going to be Eagles and Bison. And All in the right. celebration that... bowl, in the celebration bowl, yeah, I still, I'm, I'm torn there. And every time I look at it differently, I think it's going to be the Aggies. But then again, it could be Alcorn State. So tonight I'm, I'm thinking Alcorn State's probably going to lose that game. But, you know, we'll see what my official pick sheet says on uh, Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. By the way, you still need to get yours in. 
Yeah, right now I, I I'll say Alcorn, uh, just off the gut. So. Okay. Yep. That's All right. Cool. That does it All for right. this week's episode. Uh, have a good night. You too. Have a good night, Dakota. All right. Thanks. <laughs>